Hello, and welcome to the Diet Diatribe podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got a great episode for you guys today. We're going to go ahead and jump right in. Nutritionalists share how adding this ingredient to your morning coffee can boost your metabolism. Marissa Matozo wrote this article. If you're a coffee lover and looking for a way to add flavor to your morning cup, but also boost your metabolism, here you go. We've reached out to nutritionists and other health experts to learn more about the benefits of cinnamon and how adding this spice to your coffee can promote optimal gut health. Coffee, as doctors say, is the powerhouse of all drinks, and many underestimate the benefits of a cup of coffee. It contains things like antioxidants and serotonin. With the right ingredients, it can also help you have a healthy metabolism, say doctors, pointing to cinnamon as a healthy sweetener replacement. Cinnamon is an excellent addition to your daily cup as it assists with energy conversion and helps your metabolism to speed up, as well as improving the taste of your coffee. Coffee is not a dessert, doctors stress, warning that if you're putting in too much milk, it can make it acidic and make your stomach churn. Additionally, if you add too much sugar, you're also setting yourself back as your blood sugar is compromised. Both milk and sugar can make your coffee into a high-calorie drink. If your goal is to boost your metabolism, you don't want that in your daily diet. Doctors agree and acknowledge that some coffee beverages can add calories and fat to your diet without you noticing. Once we realize our favorite drink is contributing to our weight gain, it can be difficult to give it up for better health. By making a few changes to our coffee, we can not only avoid weight gain, but help to boost weight loss and metabolism. Adding cinnamon to your coffee doesn't have to be a seasonal tradition, and the benefits may have you making it a common occurrence, because cinnamon boosts thermogenesis in the body, which in turn results in more calories burned. Experts also concur and encourage coffee lovers to try something new. Coffee consumers have a specific way they like their coffee and don't often veer from that, but unfortunately for those wanting to lose weight, those coffee habits might be stalling their efforts. Using a full-fat dairy creamer and refined sugar are the two coffee habits that are detrimental to weight loss, especially for those that consume more than one cup of coffee a day. They conclude that considering using cinnamon to flavor coffee rather than refined sugars is natural and anti-inflammatory, and cinnamon can help boost a metabolism and stabilize blood sugar. So give that a shot in your morning, Joe, and see how it helps. Next article. Three things you should do as soon as you wake up to feel alert throughout the day, according to a Stanford neuroscientist. Jake Johnson wrote this article. Stanford University neuroscientist Dr. Andrew Halberman shared three things you can add to your morning routine to wake you up and make you feel energized throughout the day. On a special episode of the YouTube series After School, Huberman explained that your sleep habits and morning routine can have a major impact on your focus and mood. Huberman said that getting natural light right after you wake up and doing activities that raise your body temperature can help you feel more alert and energized. Get outside as early as you can. Huberman, who is also the host of the science podcast Huberman Lab, said that getting good quality sleep is the most important thing you can do to feel your best at all times. He said setting yourself up for a great sleep cycle begins right when you wake up. The best thing you can do to give your day a jump start is go outside within the first hour of waking up for at least 5 to 10 minutes in order to activate your body's natural boost of a chemical called cortisol. Once every 24 hours you're going to get a healthy boost in cortisol, it sets the rhythm of your temperature. It also 
sets your level of alertness as well as your level of focus and your mood. You want that boost in cortisol to happen as early in the day as possible. About 16 hours after this boost in cortisol, your body will begin to release melatonin, which will help you fall asleep. If you don't go outside after waking up, cortisol boosts will happen later in the day, making it harder to go to bed and perpetuating poor sleep. Artificial light from phones and lamps is not enough to get this boost. If you live in an especially dark place, experts say the best thing you can do is turn on lights immediately when you wake up or look into an LED light box to stimulate sunlight. Getting sunlight in the morning also releases dopamine, according to Halberman, which will help make you feel more motivated throughout the day. Dopamine's main role in the brain and body is to drive motivation, craving, and pursuit. It's not the molecule of pleasure, it's the molecule of drive, he said. Making sure to get a morning dose of dopamine will increase your drive and push you through your day as smoothly as possible. You also might want to delay your morning caffeine. Another way to feel more alert throughout the day is to wait about an hour to 90 minutes after you wake up to consume caffeine, rather than having it right away. When we feel sleepy, it's because chemicals called andazine builds up in our brain and tells our bodies to go to sleep. He says caffeine blocks andazine from activating the brain. If you wake up in the morning and you didn't sleep as well as you would have liked and you're still sleepy, that means you have a buildup of andazine in your system. If you immediately reach for caffeine, you suppress the action of the andazine and you will be more alert. And then guess what happens? The caffeine wears off and the andazine binds to the receptors with greater affinity and you have an afternoon crash. If you're used to having coffee immediately when you wake up, and waiting that long to consume caffeine seems too daunting. Experts say you can start by slowly moving the amount of time back by 15 minutes every day. Exercise will also clear out andazine in the morning and then increase your core body temperature. Our body temperature naturally rises right before we wake up until the middle of the day and then falls to its lowest point in the middle of the night. The goal here is to increase body temperature in order to be awake and to decrease body temperature in order to sleep. Exercising in the morning is a great way to raise your internal body temperature as well as taking a cold shower or bath. When the surface of your body is cold, your internal temperature will rise to compensate. He added that your body and brain also release androline and dopamine when you're exposed to cold water and continue to release them hours after you're out of the water. When you combine light exercise and cold water exposure early in the morning, you are creating summer in your body. Interesting stuff, right? Next article. What you eat can help boost your happiness. Experts suggest these eight foods. And Jody Helmer wrote this article. Biting into a piece of dark chocolate or eating a bowl of your favorite food might bring a temporary smile to your face. But experts say there's a way to extend those feelings of joy. There's a food-mood connection, says nutritional psychiatrist Dr. Uma Nadu, director of nutritional and metabolic psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital and author of This Is Your Brain on Food. Any changes you make in your diet won't boost happiness overnight, but they will have an impact over time. Want happiness that lasts long after your next meal? These eight foods can help. Number one, turmeric. Add turmeric to soups, stews, and smoothies. Curcumin, the active ingredient that gives turmeric its yellow color, has been shown to have antidepressant effects. For the biggest impact, 
experts suggest using a quarter of a teaspoon of turmeric daily and adding a pinch of black pepper. Adding the black pepper makes the curcumin 2,000% more bioavailable. Kombucha. The fermented tea could quench your thirst and improve your mood. Kombucha is packed with probiotics, and the live microorganisms appear to have an antidepressant effect. Other fermented foods, including tempa, miso, kimchi, and sauerkraut, could also have similar impacts on the body. Eating fermented foods leads to a more diverse set of bacteria in the gut that tends to calm down our overactive immune system. Fermented foods are one of the best food categories that have a big impact on mental health. Cinnamon. A little cinnamon has big benefits on mood because it's loaded with antioxidants, combats inflammation, and protects against neurodegenerative diseases like dementia. It also appears to have a positive effect on mood, so go ahead and sprinkle the flavorful spice on toast or add it to coffee for a pinch of happiness. Salmon. A diet high in omega-3 fatty acids has been linked to a lower risk of depression. The happiness superfood is also high in vitamin B12, a vitamin that is associated with positive mood and might even help ward off depression or improve the impact of antidepressants. Leafy greens. Stock up on the salad bar. Collard greens, spinach, kale, cabbage, and other leafy greens contain high levels of magnesium, a nutrient that can boost serotonin, the so-called happiness hormone. Leafy greens also contain a lot of fiber, and fiber feeds the microbiome. How clearly you think and how anxious you feel are dictated by the diversity of bioorganisms that live in your gut. Yogurt. There appears to be a link between depression and the amount of lactobacillus in the gut. Eating yogurt reduces the powerful probiotic and could actually reverse the symptoms of depression. Probiotics can be very powerful when it comes to improving mood, even when compared to antidepressant medications. Following a vegan diet, many plant-based yogurts also contain probiotics. Legumes. The fewer beans, peas, and lentils in your diet, the higher the risk of depression. The benefits of adding legumes to your diet appear to come from high levels of magnesium, tryptophan, fiber, folate, and omega-3 fatty acids that are connected with improved mood. And finally, almonds. Grab a handful of almonds as a snack or add them to salads, yogurt, or oatmeal. Regular consumption of the nutrient-rich snack food has been linked to lower rates of depression and improved mood. Ramsey credits the healthy fats in almonds and other nuts for mood-boosting benefits. Good stuff. Go check those out. Next article. Experts say doing this simple thing every day improves your digestion over 50. And Faith Geiger wrote this article. Living a healthy life is all about practicing healthy habits. Whether that's working out every morning, swapping sugary desserts for tasty fruit, or just staying hydrated throughout the day, each of these things can add up to a major impact on your overall health, including your gut health. In fact, if a healthier gut is what you're after, specifically, there are a few things you can incorporate into your daily routine to set your digestive system, and in turn, the rest of your body, on the right track, including one simple supplement. Lisa Richards, nutritionist and creator of the Canita Diet, tells us one of the best things you can do every day to improve your gut health is to take a simple daily probiotic. We spoke to Richards to learn more about what exactly probiotics are and how they can restore balance in your gut and how to choose the right one. When it comes to gut health, probiotics can be a total game changer. 
Yeast live microorganisms found in foods like yogurt, kimchi, miso, sauerkraut, and more work to repopulate your gut microbiome with good bacteria in order to restore balance and improve digestion. While integrating probiotics into your meals through foods like these is always a great idea, Richard suggests cutting the hassle out by taking a daily probiotic supplement to ensure you're always getting an ample amount. Probiotics are a great addition to anyone's health regimen despite age, gender, or health status. They reduce inflammation, boost your immunity, and maintain a healthy balance of flora in your gut. And of course, all that means they can keep your digestive system in tip-top shape. Since gut health is all the rage these days, there are tons of probiotic supplements on the market to choose from. Luckily, Richards gives us her advice for choosing the best possible product for your gut. There are three probiotic strains I recommend for men and women alike. L. plantarum, L. paracasi, and L. acidophilus, she says. These help improve gas caused by irritable bowel syndrome, reduce inflammation, and boost immunity, as well as reducing abdominal pain and bloating. Additionally, Richards urges readers to keep the amount of colony-forming units in mind. This is the CFUs. It's important to assure your probiotic contains at least 10 billion CFUs of bacteria and a number of well-researched probiotic strains. She also notes that you should avoid probiotics that contain ingredients like sweeteners or gums that might inflame your gut. Finally, look for a probiotic supplement that has the kind of mechanism for getting its bacteria past your stomach acid and to your gut. Overall, whether you choose to get your probiotics through foods like fermented varieties or yogurt, or you go with Richard's recommendation and take a daily supplement, upping your intake is one of the best things you can do to improve your digestion. Your body will thank you. And I do take a probiotic. I've taken a line probiotic, and I also try to get at least one serving of yogurt per day, which is super helpful. Next article. A new study says this is the exact amount of steps you need to take every day to prevent weight gain. Caitlin Vogel wrote this article. Many of us keep track of our steps with our Apple Watches and Fitbits and feel a sense of pride when we hit a certain number for the day. We start to realize how much movement we're doing during the day, even in small ways, such as doing chores around the house, taking the dog for a walk, or grocery shopping. According to a new study, counting steps is directly correlated to maintaining a healthy weight. Participants who range from 41 to 67 years old with body mass index levels ranging from 24.3, healthy, to 32.9, obese, wore activity trackers for at least 10 hours a day, and researchers analyzed their health information for numerous years. Results showed that people who walked 4 miles a day, or approximately 8,200 steps, had a lower risk of becoming obese or developing health conditions like acid reflux, sleep apnea, and major depressive disorder. If you're trying to be more mindful of your weight, keeping track of your steps may be the first step. Literally. Counting the number of steps you walk every day can help you keep yourself accountable. By knowing the number of steps you're walking, you can set realistic goals to gradually increase your distance over time. Also, keep track of your progress. You should take into account how often you walk, how long you walk, and the intensity. Tracking steps is helpful, but gradually increasing the number of steps and your pace is the key to weight loss. If your goal is weight loss, increase your daily steps by 500. Once this is a habit, try increasing your daily steps by another 500. 
The goal is 10,000 steps per day, which is about five miles. The total number of steps a person needs to prevent weight gain will depend on factors like daily activity level, is your job sedentary or active, eating habits, are you eating whole foods and how much, and how many calories you burn while walking. There are many factors that determine how many calories you will burn while walking, and these factors include your age, gender, height, weight, and exercise intensity, as well as the duration of your walk. How fast you walk and whether you are walking on a flat surface or an incline can all impact your walking intensity. Body weight will also affect how many calories you burn. For example, a 180-pound person will burn approximately 100 calories per mile, while a 120-pound person will burn approximately 65 per mile. Walking is a great low-impact exercise that almost anyone can do. It doesn't require any equipment or special preparation, except for a good pair of walking shoes. Adding 30 to 60 minutes of walking into your daily routine will not only help you burn calories and reduce fat, but it can help boost your mood and improve energy levels. In addition to weight loss, walking has many other health benefits. These include cardiovascular fitness, insulin sensitivity, blood glucose control, blood pressure, mood, stress and anxiety, endurance, balance, bone and muscular strength, and immune function. One study found that people who walked 10,000 steps every day for 12 weeks felt better, had more energy, a lower BMI, a smaller waist circumference, and lost weight. Walking can help prevent weight gain in a few ways. First, it burns calories. It can help blood sugar stabilization, especially if you take short walks after eating a meal. And it also helps with cardiovascular health in general. Finally, just making a point to be active in some way every day makes you feel healthier, which in turn will likely cause you to make healthier choices about food as well. Get out there and start walking, people. It can have a huge impact on your health. And then one final article for the day. Weight loss may be easier for you if you eat in a 10-hour window, study finds. And Linda Carroll wrote this article. When you eat early or late in the day and over the course of how many hours may have a big impact on your metabolism, your cardiovascular health, and how many calories you store as fat, two new studies find. The studies, published in Cell Metabolism, suggest that eating late in the day may slow metabolism and promote fat storage, while constraining food consumption to fit into a 10-hour window may lead to improvements in blood pressure and cholesterol in people with heart disease risk factors. In one study, researchers closely monitored 16 overweight or obese volunteers in a lab setting for four days of eating three meals a day, 9 a.m., 1 p.m., and 6.20 p.m., and then four days with the three meals shifted to four hours later, one at 1 p.m., one at 5 p.m., and one at 10.20 p.m. The calories consumed were the same for the early and late meals. Half the volunteers were randomly assigned to the early eating regimen first, and the other half to the late eating regimen. After a multi-week break, the groups were switched. Each day the volunteers were in the lab, they documented their levels of hunger and food cravings. Environmental factors like lighting, room temperature, and humidity were tightly controlled by the researchers. Meanwhile, the researchers collected hourly data on hunger hormones, body temperature, and energy expenditure. They also collected information on whether the volunteers' bodies were leaning towards storing calories consumed as fat. The data suggested that compared to early eating, late food consumption left people feeling hungrier, while also increasing levels of hunger hormones and decreasing levels of satiety hormones. 
Moreover, eating late left people with lower body temperatures and slower metabolisms, which resulted in fewer burned calories. There were also signs that late eating could increase fat storage. The new findings suggest that eating late would promote weight gain, said the authors of the study. We have one of the most controlled and comprehensive studies to look at this, so we were able to isolate the influence of meal timing. Basically, by eating late in the day, you're fighting your biological clock. The other study explored the impact of a 12-week program of time-restricted eating, meaning people are allowed to consume food for a set number of hours during the day. In 137 San Diego firefighters who worked in shifts of 24 hours, while all 137 were asked to maintain a Mediterranean-style diet that was rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and healthy fats, 70 were asked to limit their food consumption to a 10-hour time window. The firefighters agreed to wear devices that kept track of activities, sleep, and blood glucose levels, and to log when foods were consumed and when hours were spent sleeping. Everyone in the group that practiced time-restricted eating was allowed to choose the timing of the window during which they would consume food. Most started eating between 8 and 9 a.m. and finished between 6 and 7. Time-restricted eating plans often have shorter windows than 10 hours, but researchers used a 10-hour window because it's easier to implement than 8 hours, especially since this is our first time looking at firefighters. Overall, the two groups were fairly similar except the size of the LDL, which was the bad cholesterol. Particles were larger in those who did not engage in the time-restricted eating. While there hasn't been a lot of research on cholesterol particle size, there is some evidence that larger sizes may be implicated in heart disease. The biggest difference was seen in firefighters who had risk factors for cardiovascular disease like high blood pressure, high blood sugar, excess body fat around the waist, and abnormal cholesterol levels at the outset. Among these participants, the time-restricted regimen led to improvements in blood pressure and blood sugar levels. The bigger concept is that we don't need to be eating all the time, adding the human body needs to take a break from dealing with the food we consume. So with the restricted eating schedule, the firefighters' metabolisms got a 14-hour metabolic rest. During the rest time, cells get to recharge and tidy up. It's kind of a cellular cleaning and repair process. The two new studies follow on the heels of another study published online in September, which looked at the timing of the biggest meal of the day among people consuming a diet designed to help them lose weight. The study found it didn't make any difference whether it was breakfast, lunch, or dinner. While that might seem a bit contradictory to the other papers, that one, like the lab study, did find that some people who ate their big meal at the end of the day were hungrier early on. In the end, both groups lost about the same amount of weight over the 12-week period. The biggest message people should take from these studies is that eating your last meal close to bedtime is not a good idea. This means you should really end eating earlier in the day as opposed to later in the day, the experts say. We have a paper coming out next week that looks at the timing of eating, which showed eating close to bedtime results in lower fat oxidation. In other words, people who ate late burned less fat, and over the long term, these late eaters would have a tendency to accumulate more body fat than muscle. Ultimately, it's still best to personalize your eating plan and to listen to your body, say the specialists. So while eating breakfast early in the day may quell appetites in the morning hours for many, some people don't get hungry until later in the day. Early eating, if you're not hungry, could result in more hunger later on. 
Still, if you eat your first meal closer to the typical lunchtime, you shouldn't shift your entire eating schedule later. I think most would advise people not to eat within three hours of bedtime. Wow, that is really interesting indeed and something I would seriously consider when looking at my diet options and eating habits, etc. So we're going to go ahead and wrap the episode up for the day. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. We're at the diet diatribe at gmail.com. And we will put that into the show notes as well as each of the articles we have used for the show today. And please join us again for the next episode when we talk more about everything diet and exercise. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye.